Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Today, for the most part, we're spending our time talking about what we witnessed just before noon Eastern in Washington, D.C., the inauguration of the 46th president of the United States. The day started early, if you remember. There were some brief remarks shared by outgoing President Donald Trump from Joint Base Andrews uh, before he uh, embarked on a trip returning him to his home of Florida. Mar-a-Lago, I believe, is his destination. And then it was no longer the Trump show. It became the administration of Joseph Biden. He placed his hand on a rather thick Bible, five inches, I believe. We're going to later in the program get into the details of the history of that Bible, that family Bible that's uh, well over 100 years old, and he has used Joe Biden for every single swearing-in ceremony he has ever been a part of. There was a, a moment on the uh, on Stephen Colbert's show not too long ago where <laughs> Dr. Jill Biden, who holds the Bible for uh, many of these swearing-in ceremonies on the part of Joe Biden, and again this morning, during the inauguration, uh, Colbert joked back and forth with her, hey, uh, have you been doing your exercises? Uh, because this is no small Bible. This isn't like the family Bible you and I have. No, this one is absolutely massive with a big, giant, thick leather cover uh, and thick, heavy pages. Uh, anyway, th- there's a, a pretty sweet backstory as to why uh, Joe Biden holds on to that. We'll get into that later on in the program if we have time. Right now, though, as we await uh, ABC News correspondent Mark Remillard, uh, let me tell you that a number of things happen behind the scenes. We had that conversation earlier with uh, Ron Fox. He's one of those guys who works behind the scenes. So much uh, of their work goes unseen, and you don't know uh, <laughs> that things go right because that's the the efficiency and the effectiveness of the way they do their job. Another such behind-the-scenes crew is the Army of workers responsible for cleaning up the White House. The And I'm not speaking figuratively or anything like that. Quite literally, the structure itself, uh, the residence, the office buildings, uh, or the offices, rather, contained within the White House, there is someone, there are a lot of someones, whose job it is to go in there uh, to clean it and to bring in the the furniture and personal touches and preferences of the incoming administration. And they don't have much time to do it. Uh, some estimates put that uh, at only five hours. To help us understand more of what exactly goes into this, uh, ABC News correspondent Mark Remillard joins us from Washington, D.C. Mark, sir, how are you? Hey, very good. We uh, just watched, had a front row view to the president walking into the White House complex. 
for the very first time. He was followed by the vice president. Uh, both of them were out of their motorcades. They walked down the street by them, you know, hand in hand with their, uh, you know, their significant others, their, their wife or husband, and then their kids as well. So uh, it was a pretty extraordinary moment here just a short time ago as the president entered the White House for the first time. I, I was watching that moment, too, as they stood uh, at the threshold. They embraced for a time. They did some waving. Uh, and then as they walked in and the others followed them, uh, the crowd of people that moved in behind them was massive. <laughs> Uh, what yeah. can you tell me about the makeup of that crowd? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think a lot of that was probably um, a lot of that was a fair amount of Secret Service as well, who were walking alongside Biden. Um, they may be other members of his staff, and there may be also some of their family there as well. Um, perhaps some of the delegation from Delaware that we know were down here as part of Biden's inauguration. Uh, so yes, there were quite a lot of people, but that was actually seemingly to be the most. You know, um, relaxed moment perhaps today because everything has been very ceremonial up to this point. Everything has been different and changed as a result of COVID and the security concerns. And so this is the first time, you know, we saw them just, you know, the hard stuff is done. The oaths have been taken. They're now in their positions and they were walking down Pennsylvania Avenue and you could see them with their smile on the face as they're waving and, and walking and getting uh, to walk over and say hello to people. And so, uh, it was not exactly what, uh, at least what I was expecting to see. I, I thought they were just going to ride down in their motorcade, but we actually saw them walk down the street and say hello to people. Yeah, getting getting out of the motorcade, walking the final bit as I watched, you know, aerial coverage and some handheld cameras that were following along. I, I even saw uh, I even saw President Biden. Uh, and not sure what the Secret Service felt about this, but I saw him diverge from, you know, the the, the predicted walkway and make his way over to the edge, speaking at one uh, moment with the reporter, uh, another uh, instance where he shook a hand. Um, any observations along those lines from your perspective? He did that right in front of me. I was right here when that happened. Um, he did it twice. He walked over um, toward one end further up Pennsylvania Avenue. But then right where the media risers is, and this is where all the TV cameras are yeah. and everything, this is where we're all situated. Uh, yeah, he walked right over, right in front, and said hello. I don't, I don't know who he was speaking to or came over to, but he did come over and say hello to people kind of before continuing on his way down. Um, there was this uh, pretty good moment with uh, Kamala, uh, Vice President Harris, as she walked down Pennsylvania Avenue. All the reporters were shouting questions, and, uh, you know, they asked her, you know, what's what's your what's your first job? And, uh, you know, as she enters uh, the vice presidency and she said uh, she's walking to work. And she was walking down Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue at the time. So it was a pretty good, pretty good remark there. This may be outside the scope of what you're paying attention today, but uh, she, she's expected to make her way back to the Senate. Will she be swearing in uh, some of the senators that have been elected to office, uh, bringing the balance of the Senate uh, formally to 50-50? Yes, so that's actually supposed to be happening fairly soon. Um, our understanding was sometime, sometime around 4.30 or so, uh, power within the Senate would shift. And as a result of um, the vice president swearing in uh, not only her replacement in the Senate, the former uh, California Secretary of State, right. Alex Padilla, so she'll be swearing him in, but then also the two new Democratic senators, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, who won those two Senate uh, Senate runoff races in Georgia. So now the Senate pivots from being Republican-controlled to a 50-50 split, with obviously uh, the vice president being the tie-breaking vote if needed. And so from there, uh, Democrats uh, will have control. So this shift should be happening almost any time uh, that she delivers those votes. 
Uh, listen, I, I have uh, foolishly uh, eaten up most of our time to chat today. We have about two minutes left. The reason for uh, this conversation is uh, for you to give us a little bit of uh, the behind the scenes as to what it takes to prepare the White House uh, in that brief time in between an outgoing administration and the newly arriving occupants, as was the case just uh, moments ago. What can you tell us about that uh, that chunk of time where uh, White House staffers are rushing to prepare things? Right. So there was a narrow window today between when President Trump left about 8 a.m. this morning until uh, uh, the president walked into the residence uh, today or walked into the White House. Uh, and they had to go through a very deep clean process even uh, within the White House. Um, I'm sure some of that preparation began before President Trump left, but uh, there was an extra concern this year given COVID. So uh, ABC News has reviewed some business contracts uh, with the government um, that totaled more than $200,000 to keep clean the White House. Now, this is not just because of Trump or COVID or anything like that. This happens every time a new administration comes in. But what is different is the level of cleaning here uh, and the additional sanitation and procedures being done this, that, that were done this time around over the concern of COVID, and especially because there were three outbreaks of COVID within the White House within right. recent months. And so uh, that was also part of the concern. So, yes, an extra deep clean uh, is our understanding of what they got this year. Outstanding. Listen, Mark Remillard, ABC News correspondent, I envy your position today. I wish I was right there alongside your reporting. Uh, I was lucky enough to be there four years ago for inauguration. Uh, things change. A pandemic showed up, and here I am in studio, and you're right there on the front lines. I appreciate your reporting. I appreciate the time you've given uh, to us here today and the details you've shared with the audience. Thanks again, Mark. My pleasure. Thank you. All righty. We're going to take a break right here. And when we return, we're remaining focused on the events in Washington today. But we're going to be looking at things from another perspective. Uh, One of Utah's two newest representatives, Congressman Blake Moore, represents Utah's first congressional district. He and most of the rest of Utah's federal delegation were in attendance today. We'll take a break now. When we return, how do things look through Blake's eyes? Representative Moore joins me next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.